Hey, Safe Topics listeners, this episode is a crossover with Writing with Machines, a rad group of teachers who get together to discuss technology, teaching, and composition. Our content needs a new home, and Sean and I feel the issues and pedagogies we talk about in Writing with Machines fits well here in Safe Topics. In this Writing with Machines conversation, my colleagues and I explore the articles, podcasts, and other sources that are helping us to think about generative AI tools. To see more from Writing with Machines, check out the show notes or search Writing with Machines as one single word. Thanks for listening. All right. So um, so my whole hope with these, these conversations is that we're really coming together as colleagues, as discipline experts, as friends, um, and we're all here to grapple together with these new forms of technologies um uh that produce texts that that can interact with text to create these kinds of things so um uh over the course of this series i'm hoping like certain certain discussions will have a focused topic and and we'll kind of be guided to go into certain areas i, I like that because we can go deep um but then i like i said i don't want to assume that i know where these should go or that any of us really do at this point because this is so new and we're all kind of responding in different ways so i, I hope that these conversations also have like an open forum to them as well um i uh for this first one i i kind of uh, uh gestured towards let's all um kind of just bring the thing that has us thinking uh maybe an article maybe a podcast could be a conversation you've had recently just anything that supplies insights about generative AI, maybe in particular chat GPT or something else. So I think today's conversation is going to move around. And I think that's awesome. Um, so maybe what we can do is we'll just go around uh, each of us and we can share. Well, well, this is the thing that has me thinking. Give us just a little sort of snapshot of it. Um, um, I'll jot down some notes. So don't worry about sending me links or anything like that. I can uh, either I'll find it right now and, and store it, or I'll follow up with you later to get it. Um, so I'll, by the end, I'll document all the things we share in a Padlet, um, um, uh, uh, but I don't want anybody to worry about interacting with the Padlet right now. Um, so if you're commuting, rest easy on driving. Uh, um, and, and as I said, we'll kind of curate that research uh, at one point later on. So, um, I uh, uh, I shared an article and and I won't take up too much more time because I don't want to talk for that much longer. Um, but I, I I found this article uh, actually through a podcast I listened to called Hard Fork. Um, Kevin Roos he's a writer for the New York Times that focuses on tech. Uh, he's one of the hosts of that podcast. So this is an article that he wrote um, intervo- interviewing some folks at OpenAI who um, released ChatGPT. Um, and I like this article simply because it kind of gives you a little bit of the uh, an inside scoop. Um, apparently, uh, OpenAI already has a better uh, generative uh, AI, uh, GPT-4. Like, they already have it, and they're planning to release it in the spring. But someone in OpenAI got anxious and thought someone would beat them to the punch. So they scrambled to release something, and that something was ChatGPT. And apparently this was a, a model that they'd already had and like they kind of were bored with it. So it's just kind of, it was there, but nobody thought anybody would care about it. <laughs> um, so they just kind of in two weeks scrambled. Uh, Roos uses the phrase, they dust, dusted it off um, and then released it out. Um, so there's a couple of things that 
I, I, I'm interested in regarding that. One, as amazing and as 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 sort of magical as ChatGPT seems, it's not as good as what's already like going to be available soon, right? So that that, that has me thinking um, um, in certain ways, and I'd love to hear what other people uh, have to say about that. But then the other, when I read this article, I hear a very human story. It's not like this is a really well-calculated, here is this new technology, and here's how we're going to sort of roll it out responsibly. This is just like everything else. It, it, it moved fast and it broke stuff, right? Including like how we're going to be grading essays and you know, um, um, what, what journalists have to deal with now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I, I think that sets the table a little bit. Um, again, maybe we can spend just a few minutes kind of reacting to that and then, and then we'll pop around and, and we can share other sources that we're, we're thinking about. Anybody want to, anyone, anybody want to respond to that or, or, or follow up with that? Donna? Uh, yeah, you know, I have so much to say about Jeff, uh, chat GPT and, um, the fact that it's going to get better I think really is going to sort of direct uh, the way we teach writing, of course. And I think it's um, like already getting too late to start talking about this in, in not only our department, but throughout, you know, the, the global teaching of writing. You know, I, I can we leave teaching the introduction, body paragraphs and conclusion, can we finally leave that behind? And, you know, this obsession with scaffolding, can we finally leave that behind and move on to teaching, you know, what, what real writing is, you know? I mean, it, you know, journalism and, and creative writing and, you know, the study of, of literature, both classic and otherwise, you know, can we finally leave the essay behind? Everybody hates it. The teachers hate it. The students hate it. Everybody hates it. You know, fantastic. We've got a computer who can write that that essay and, and let's move on, you know. So what's next is yeah. and, you know, like I say, the thing that, you know, that you just said that it's only going to get better, I think, just reinforces the fact that, OK, we've got it. Let's use it and let's figure out, you know, where we where the teaching of writing is going now past that. Yeah. Yeah, that's got me thinking, and sorry, I hope you can hear me well. There's a lot of birds making noises. Um, uh, that got me thinking of what we mean by the term better, because like that, what Donna's saying uh, uh, is interesting because it's kind of intersects with some conversations I had yesterday with my English 201, um, but this idea of like a better production of what, like the essay we already don't like, like a better version of this obsolete thing, and so yesterday was the day I had my English 201 play Stanley Parable in class. And one conversation we ended up having that I, I, I had them kind of discussing and thinking about that, like the kind of thing that 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 produce that ChatGPT produces and like what it means for that technology to get better in terms of streamlining that. I asked them the question, do essays have multiple endings? And they were all just like, what, huh? What do you mean? What's going on? And it, there were some yeses, there were a lot of no's. And then I proposed, should they have multiple endings? And like that, they started like thinking. And I think that's important because when we say better with ChatGPT, it usually means a better version of what everyone already expects and packages and 
uh, uh, sort of rights that's not really inspiring or interesting or doing anything differently. Yep. Yeah, it's good. It's chat GPT is uh, uh, it's trained on on forms. And so what it's really good at doing is mimicking forms and styles. Right. And so and what I hear you, Donna, getting at is, well, what about content? What about expression? What about surprising uh, 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 moves? Um, and then and then, yeah, Daniel, the kind of but how responsive is it to readers, right? And how, how, um, um, yeah. So, okay, okay. Um, any other thoughts, Jacob, Jabi, Adam? I know folks are in the car, so you can't raise hands. Feel free to, we can all talk at once and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I watched that same, I watched that, or listened to that same podcast, Hard Fork. I thought that was phenomenal. I thought it was really telling when they started talking about using the chat GPT for one's own personal therapist and counselor in terms yeah. of like communicating with it before one talks to another individual to, to seek suggestions. But the other thing too, is that it's not only just good at putting together the essays in that traditional form, it's really good at creative components too, of incorporating voices and genres and it's, it's nailing creative writing pretty well too. Yeah. So Donna, what do we mean by like, can we finally get to writing? Can we finally get to creative writing, right? Like, like what do we, if we're not necessarily talking about forms or styles, what, what are we getting at there? I think that's just a good question. Well, I, I, I've always kind of um, thought that we should be, you know, general ed courses are, are the opportunity for students to test drive careers, right? I mean, you know, among other things, that's one thing that that general ed, um, you know, st strives to achieve. And so with English, what do we do with that as a career? You know, how many English majors have you had in your class? You know, I do a some moonlighting with UCI admissions and I just scored a thousand applications for UCI. Among them, maybe five, declared English as a major out of a thousand, more than a thousand applications right. I just viewed. Yeah. Only five. And I've always supported this idea that we should be teaching journalism because that's a career and because it's so important in democracy and nobody wants to do it anymore. What does that imply about the future of democracy and keeping the bad guys in check? Right. You know, we need journalists. We should be teaching that in English classes. Where else are they going to get? Who's going to take a journalism class? Right. You know, very few students. Creative writing. Who's going to write the next great American novel? We should be teaching a little bit of that in our English classes. Like I say, if we can move beyond the essay, you know, and that 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 makes us a service industry. You know, we're serving so they can write a good essay in their sociology class and their political science class and their history classes. Let those guys teach them how to write that essay, you uh, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, that's just, that's that's my story. Yeah, and I'm sticking <laughs> to it. Well, and so let me just add my thought to that, and then I want to we'll we'll move on to, to maybe some other topics. Um, I was talking to someone who teaches psychology and who's worried about this. Um, specifically because it's pretty good at multiple choice essay answers. It's pretty good at the like open response essay answer, uh, exam answer, sorry. Um, 
And so like, how are we going to assess learning? How are we going to assess knowledge? And I said, you know, one of the things that I think we uh, have experienced in composition is when um, uh, spell checkers and grammar checkers became pretty good, we, we were actually freed from laboring over sentence clarity and could start talking about logical structures and or narrative structures. You know, when I got a draft, you know, five, six years ago, and I, I was just struggling to even sort of know, like, well, where, what is this sentence trying to say? That we had to stay there. Like, we had to stay at the sentence level to kind of, this needs to be clear first, because I need to hear you. I need to know what, what you're trying to express here. But once the sentence level, the, 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 the tool was available for the student to see, oh, I see a red squiggly line that needs to be, or there's a blue squiggly line, and it helped, like, it, right? The student in the moment has that. So now the sentences are clear. Now we're free to talk about, all right, when should this idea occur in the essay? When should it occur later? So now I'm wondering, now that these tools are basically like logic checkers, right? Like, like that's the next step, right? Like sure, JatGPT can write an essay for you, but it's only gonna be a matter of time before Google's like, hey, let's talk about the structure of this paragraph. I wonder, right? What are we gonna be freed up to talk about at that point? Like, like how deep can we go in terms of how we're reading this thing or talking and debating this issue? You know, if, if the logic is, is sort of, you know, uh, 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 if there's a tool there for students to work with logic, what does that give us, afford us as teachers in a, a writing classroom? Mm-hmm. That resonates with what you're, you're doing, Donna, but, but that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. Like, mm-hmm. go next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, how about some other articles or uh, topics or issues or discussions? Javi, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same space, right? Like, um, what are the practical applications of something like this in the classroom and yeah. how we, you know, might use it for good instead of for evil. <laughs> um, I read, uh, I read, uh, I didn't notice this until now, but I read another article by Kevin Roos, um, don't ban chat GPT in schools, um, teach with it. And, you know, it's one of those big things, right? Like how do we utilize machines or technology in order to assist us and assist our students. And I think about, you know, the practical uses of this in the classroom where um, we, we, we don't have to move past writing, but we can enrich writing and utilize like kind of the machine as that thinking space, that brainstorming space, right? Um, I think that's especially important with students who have like processing difficulties, right? Where they're at home, they're by themselves, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what topic to write about, but they can't focus in on that one topic that speaks to them and how and an AI might function as that space, right? Where they can, you know, ask a question and then get a few different answers out that might get them started in the writing process. Because as we all know, one of the hardest parts about writing is just getting started. Where do I start at? How do I get my ideas on the page? Um, And then just from a professional standpoint, the article really focuses on how like this is not going to put English teachers out of a job, right? Because they're already building things to, to check AI. They're already building uh, better technologies to assist us with, you know, finding, you know, plagiarism or, you know, forbid cheating, right? Like, and I think that's all of our default. Like how are, how are students going to use this to cheat? When the reality is that like most students don't default to cheating on anything. They, they'd rather be challenged and try things on. Um, most students who do cheat 
are it's because they're backed into a corner. They've run out of time and they need to get this done fast so they can turn it in, right? Um, so worrying about the cheating, I think is like, you know, that's kind of like a third or a fourth thing on my list just because mm-hmm. I just don't think most students will use it for evil in that way. More yeah. often, they're going to utilize it to find ways um, to get started or make moving through the item easier. And I even thought about this the other day. I was writing an essay for for a class and I was like, I wonder if Chad GPT could help me do this. And I almost went to it, but I was like, no, nah, I'll just figure it out on my own. And I ended up figuring it out on my own just because you know, I'd rather do that than have to like learn a new technology, right? Yeah. And so, but it was a thought that I had like, I wonder if this could help me get started on this law paper because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what she wants me to do. And I ended up reading what she said sent her a question and, and, it, and it worked out. But yeah. I, I, I like that idea that students may have another space that they can go to, to you know, pose questions and get them started so that they don't have to be stuck or have to rely on just us to, to move through a lesson. Totally. How are we thinking about that? Anybody wanna jump in? I think that you're so right in that students really don't want to cheat, you know, but there are going to be those few that do. And I don't want to have to grade an essay that was generated by AI. I don't, you know, I I don't have the time for that. That's one of my concerns is, is, is that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's important to say, Donna. And I, and I think, I think the reality is something like that's going to linger in the back of our minds this semester. Mm-hmm. This essay written by this student, or is this, and and just that like irksome thought, I think it's, right. I want to be mindful of and kind of be careful about, right? Because I don't want that imposing itself on my reader relationship with all of this content that my students are submitting, right? Mm-hmm. And I like that point a lot too, Jubby, the we need to assume that our students want challenges and are and want to gain skill sets. And there, there are these circumstances that arise when students take shortcuts. We all do that, right? But generally, this doesn't change who our students are, right? Yeah. I, the, an article that I read in Slate sort of emphasized the importance of the, the classroom setting and what we do in terms of like, meaning making through discussions and conversations and in that way and you know dialogue that you know that chat gpt doesn't necessarily um isn't able to do and that what's interesting to me is about i'm i'm i guess concerned about students who might use it to to generate a paper but i also am wondering about how much of our like learning process and growing is involved in the actual labor and difficulty of like what Jabi was saying of initiating an idea and engaging in the process and then drafting through it and working to to get to, to some kind of product that then we work on revision that chat GPT can so easily just produce right with a few keystrokes. Yeah. And then what can we, okay, so that's, that's something that we're going to, you know, deal with. It's like a done deal. So do, do we embrace, do I embrace it and say, hey, bring in your chat GPT essay based on the prompt as you fed it into the, um, 
query, and then we're going to revise what ChatGPT designed and so that it sounds more like your voice. And it, it in, or are we going to, or am I going to maybe do an assignment where we try to subvert what ChatGPT generated, right? How can yeah. we undercut yeah. this, you know, autocorrect version of right. the query that's been posted? So that's kind of where I've been, you know, curious about the way that you y'all are going to address it. And that's what I'm looking forward to discussing further in the, in the weeks ahead. Mm -hmm. totally and i i'm i'm with you there jacob like like how your question like how much of the learning and growth of of a writer is gained simply in the labor and process of writing itself right just the where it's where it's a struggle where it's fruitful um my my first answer to that is a lot like i feel like that's huge it's so important and the one thing that's true of these these systems is they reduce the labor of creating content to nothing right right it's 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 instant um so that's i yeah that's a big question that i'm pondering um anybody have thoughts on that or react to that no I, i'm with the like you know the embracing the skills that we know are valuable in that sense like jake was naming the idea of having students intentionally feed the bot and then working through revision, which is such a, a powerful part of the writing process. And I think we all value that um, a tremendous amount. How are we able to, to utilize the machine to you know, embrace other skills that students don't kind of get to? Because after they've generated and spent so much time writing an essay, very few of us want to go back and revise that same essay. It becomes one of those like, those labor tasks, it's like, oh, I have to look at this again. I just spent a whole week on it. But if you generate it through the AI and then say, okay, now we're going to look at it and revise it to gain voice, to show what flow looks like, to look at the way the paragraphs are broken up. And now you're teaching revision skills for students who, you know, they may very well take that same skill and then apply it to writing later on, on their own without the AI. And I think that's, that's very, a very powerful conversation, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think our, our assignments may have to change. You know, um, the, the the you know encyclopedia entry type essay anymore is is going to be you know I don't think um, that fruitful. If if Chat GPT becomes just ubiquitous, you know, then then let's forget about you know those kind of cookie cutter essays, you know. Um, the, the best writing I've always gotten from students has been, you know, the personal essay. I have one assignment, you know, go out and cover an event in your community, you know, in, in the, the spirit of journalism. And those are the, those are the ones that generate the most enthusiasm. Um, and I, I hope that, that, you know, we'll, we'll be allowed to, if you will, uh, have more of those types of assignments than, you know, let's do more in, you know, kind of gender studies and all of that kind of stuff that, that uh, you know, a, a AI can generate very easily, you know, and like I say, I don't want to read it. I don't want to have to write a thousand comments on an AI essay right. um, and spend my time on that. Yeah. I, I really appreciate, Jake, the, the, the emphasis, it sounds like this article puts on just meaning making. And, and, and I think that's a, that's a, a key first move. This goes back to what Jabi said about, you know, our students want 
to be challenged. They want to build these skills. If students want to say something, so it's a personal experience or it's an observation about an issue, it's a, it's a position in a debate. If they want to say that, they're going to be inclined, whatever tool they use, to push that language to its furthest capacity to say that thing they're trying to say, right? Um, so if meaning making is central, then, then you, you'll have the student experience, I think what I've traditionally experienced as, okay, it's not quite sounding right yet, I'm going to go for a walk. And in the middle of that walk, my brain is going to do some stuff that's going to give me the next part of what it is I'm trying. Then I'll come back to the writing and add that next revision layer, whatever it is, right? Um, so meaning making, discussions, our assignments, I think that's huge. I think that's a, a big part of, of where, where this can lead us in a really cool way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Daniel, what are you, what are you thinking about? Along with that, I was just, um, I mean, one thing that that uh, Donna was saying about prompts, I mean, that's what I've been trying to do a lot is really change. Uh, I This was another conversation I was having with my students in terms of this idea of the linear essay that's all written text and like trying to build in uh, the idea that while well, we use images and other things, but now just like I've said with 201 and 202, I have one essay that's like, you're not writing this on a word processor, you're writing this essay in Padlet or something else, in chunks, in different pieces, in uh, using uh, things that aren't just text, image, hyperlinking, little GIF game, whatever things you want to integrate. Um, and also like emphasizing the dialogical process that I think that this idea of using ChatGPT to think about revision is also kind of suggesting in terms of, well, what if an essay, what if your essay isn't just about like generating these cookie cutter ideas, but it's about like creating spaces in which other people can come to the essay and read it and share their ideas or post their images in your essay or things like that, that then create a whole different type of dialogue that's almost like dialoguing with chat GPT. Mm -hmm. um, but like taking that and recontextualizing it as something the student is actively engaging in. Like what it, what are you want me to generate or what are we generating together in this space or, or something like that, um, which is interesting because one of the articles, so when I was, um, it's funny because I haven't done much reading about ChatGPT, but I've been I've been messing around with it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when you sent the thing saying bring an article, I'm like, I can't really even think of one that I've other than ones that you've been sending that I've been reading. Um, <laughs> And so I was kind of looking it up based off of like my interests. Um, and so of course I was looking up like, what does this mean for gaming? Cause I, Curry, we, Curry and I and some others had been having some conversations about that it, that ChatGPT can also generate um, like C++ coding for games. And I was playing around with that. It's interesting. It doesn't allow you to do in like player input cause I was compiling this stuff and it's mostly just like create a game and then it just like creates a story for you instead wow. when you, when you put the, the code oh, actually, when you run the code. Yeah. Um, but so I was looking at gaming, and apparently one uh, article I found is 11-year-old boy's game for ChatGPT is blowing up the internet. Um, <laughs> and then there was one article that, like, is there were, well, there were a number of articles that were like, here are the eight games that you can play on ChatGPT. And it was like Yahtzee and Dice and, and things like that. Um, but then, the, of course, the other angle I was taking was teaching. 
and thinking about like this not from a student perspective from but from a uh, like teaching perspective and a pedagogy perspective um and i was finding some interesting articles about the potential creative uses of like lesson planning in chat gpt and using it like we were just saying like for students to start an idea or to like revise an essay but like for lesson planning and getting lesson planning ideas because i scour the internet like every time even though i've done it a million times i teach a particular thing, I always go back and look at what ideas exist and ChatGPT may be a way to compile that and think about like, here's a bare bones, like how could we, what's a creative way to engage students in talking about X, Y, or Z, and then go from there. And so I think that's an interesting um, uh, suggestion because it got me thinking like, well, I'm kind of in the way I lesson plan sometimes pastiching or plagiarizing and like combining a lot of ideas together and ChatGPT is kind of streamlining that or or another like alongside reading all those things resource to then bare bones that and then build on that and revise that for myself too yeah yeah, yeah i'm right with you there daniel I, i've already spent like hours and hours talking to chat gpt about assertions and paragraph development and analysis. I have like multiple threads. And the coolest thing I found about that is like, I had super, number one, I dread creating PowerPoints in general, but I certainly dread like entering like each slide, like typing out the key components of whatever, you know, point I'm trying to make. And chat GPT does a nice thing where it'll just like produce some like PowerPoint, you know, bullet points that I can then just move over into a, um, uh, uh, a PowerPoint, you know, with some bullet points that I can move into the PowerPoint and then I can revise it so that it uses the language that I want. Yeah. And it cuts down like work, like it, it makes, you know, PowerPoint making somewhat enjoyable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. I'll share just a real quick. I, I used it one time. I was writing an email and I'm sure we've all done this this sentence I'm trying to write is just too long and it's too clunky. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta clean this up. I gotta make this more concise to the point. And that, that takes me forever. That would have, that takes me like five to 10 minutes to do that kind of thing. So I grabbed that sentence and I put it in chat GPT and I said, give me five versions of this sentence. And I'm like, Oh, that's it. That's the one. That's the one I want right there. <laughs> Grab it, put it in. Two seconds. Oh my God. I just splashed on putting like a, a page from Marcel Proust into chat GPT and see what it spits out, you know, from his <laughs> convoluted sentences that are a paragraph long, you know. So Donna, that's another. So we're reading Walter Ong right now, who is also pretty dense. And you can copy paste into chat GPT and say, explain this to me. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And then it'll do it. And then my students will then go, okay, but, but what does consciousness mean in this? And it'll, so it's like, it's like a Google search on fire, right? Something's mm -hmm. wrong. So like that, that we need to be mindful right now, but, but as these things get trained better, it, 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 it's, it's way better than like, okay, what is Walter Ong saying? And then on Google, I get five scholarly interpretations that are just as dense and complicated, right? This thing can just cut to the quick in really cool ways. <laughs> I like Daniel. Um, if, I, if I may. Yeah, jump in, Adam. Oh, uh, so it's really fascinating to listen to all this because what I'm, what I'm hearing a lot of is the possibilities of ChatGPT and AI to kind of 
um, scrape away the tedium or some of the annoyances that we might have, whether that's just a moment of writer's block or having to create this really tedious code that I'd rather get to the, the meaningful work rather than having to, you know, as, and as you said, Curry, uh, like what um, Spellcheck has done is it's, it's gotten rid of a lot of that frustrating, clouding work for us so that we can jump to the meat, the meaningful stuff. Um, however, it also there's that concern of, of those of us that might start to default and rely on that, um, that technology to start working on making the meaning for us as well. Yeah. And I think that's just one of the concerns I have um, is that some of us, and I'm saying some of us as if, like me would be one of these people um, who would start to really use it as a shortcut mm-hmm. and kind of lose sight because it's just so much easier and quicker for me to do. I start to lose sight of like the joy or the struggle of, uh, or the joy of struggle, right? Of that, of that seeing something uh, difficult lying ahead and the joy you get and the delight you get out of actually overcoming that struggle yourself. Mm-hmm. That's just a- something I've been, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the, the articles that I read is actually a blog post by the musician and uh, writer Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. He had somebody uh, ask ChatGPT to write a song in the version of his style, and they sent it to him, and he uh, responded with something you know, wonder I, I think it's really fascinating, worth looking up. But um, ultimately, he said that what these programs will never be able to do is to struggle the way we humans struggle. And a lot of the work that we do as writers is, you know, experiencing that struggle of, you know, working through writer's block or, or trying to figure out the thing that we're really wanting to say through the revision process. And all of that is very much part of the art of writing and if we lose sight of that then we're just going to get nothing but more and more replications it's it's just a really fascinating take on kind of the human nature and uh, or the humanness of, of writing and that's that's what should be valued so i'm always trying to think now of how chat gpt or these ai softwares can help us keep us on the human side of the work that we're doing yeah. So, so Adam, this makes, so in, in, um, I don't know if it's the next one or the one after one of the topics that I want us to do a deep dive in are other historical moments when sort of the processes and the forms and the materials of writing have fundamentally shifted. Right. And so I think of like, like the labor that went into transcribing texts uh, illustrated text and and the contemplative practice that that afforded, right? As I'm sort of reworking words on a page and 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 illuminating it with this certain illustration, how my brain gets to sit with not just the language or the illustration, but the ideas for a, such a sustained amount of time. And then what shifted when all of a sudden we can just print those things, right? When those things just become a an engraved uh, uh, plate that then stamps them out. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not even interacting at that level anymore. Um, and so I think to your point, like, so, so as these conditions change, 
what happens to our habits as writers, as our habits as readers, um, and and then where where do we gain back that contemplative uh, practice? But also, as you say, that joy from overcoming the constraints of whatever whatever it is we've imposed on ourselves for this particular project, right? Um, yeah, so that's that's awesome. So, anybody else want to respond to that or is thinking about that? I just that just reminded me. I, I was typing in chat, but I'll just say it, and maybe this will be for that conversation you're mentioning in the future. But uh, that is interesting because we see this with our students uh, a lot with different like with literature from the past and, and like the processing that that takes. On in week two in my English two two hundred one, what they they had to read a bunch of different poems from different time periods and different different poems that mostly would be either uh different than they would expect from poetry or or whatever and so one of the things they had to do was go to the william blake archive and look at william blake's stuff and that was the one uh, like i had them read charles bukowski writing poetry about computers and all these other things and it was the william blake stuff because of the images and like the handwritten text that they were like how do we read this it's like yeah. what's going on here i don't get it like, what is this? Um, and I found that interesting because then I had them like one of them I had them read was a Flarf poem that was literally just a mall directory as a poem and that they were like, yeah, whatever. And then the William Blake stuff, they were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Cool. Um, Shelly, how about you? What, what, what have you been reading or thinking about? Um, well, I guess maybe just connected from moving forward from this like last conversation um, in like what you were talking about with these like big shifts, um, thinking about, right, Google, when you could just like find all the information, it's like, oh, we can't just teach students to memorize information anymore. That's not enough. So it's like what they do with the information. And now we have this like new form of, okay, it's going to like do something with that information for students. So like, maybe this is a moment for depth, right? Like where there's something that's superficially is done. Um, and so then there's like a discussion, okay, if this like thing that was turned in, do we like understand that? Right. And it's like, okay, how can we move forward? Not necessarily more quickly, but like, how can we get into the depth element from that as this other thing? And I mean, all the ways that like everyone's talking about using chat GPT themselves, then like, great, students are using it too, right? Everyone's figuring out how to use it. So yes. not a big deal if everyone's like moving forward with it, I guess, right? So. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm, cu I'm curious, this, this had to be, a, there had to be a similar conversations with like um, uh, librarians when Google came out, right? Like they had to have already had this conversation about what do we do now that the general population doesn't have to come to the library anymore to find all the research material. Right. Well, and didn't they fight it for a while? And then finally they're just like, we're losing this fight. So now we have to embrace it. And so moving through that fighting stage into like, how do we embrace it? Yep. Cause that's still been pretty recent with like the libraries embracing it. Yes. Well, and this also makes me think I, I want to talk to our math colleagues and especially ones who saw the graphing calculator come into the, 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 the discipline and what the reaction was to that. Right. Um, 
because it's just, this thing can think with variables and it can plot and it can, right? It can do these things that, yeah, that's sort of what we're talking about. The forms, the syntax of that knowledge, of that expression, the graphing calculator is to math what ChatGPT is to, right? Is to writing, is to the humanities, right? It can do those forms, it can do those styles. It, it, it makes me wonder, Jake, to your question, like, Again, and I'm not a librarian, so maybe this isn't even the right thing to ask, but like the Dewey Decimal System and thinking with the Dewey Decimal System, I'm sure was a fruitful act. Like, like this helped me think about information and how we sort information and the relationship of this kind of information to this other kind of information. And I'm sure librarians were like, if we lose this, we lose so much. But, but I don't really feel like I need the Dewey Decimal System in my life. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Again, that probably is, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, so I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I, felt, I felt a similar way about like mathematicians and the calculator, like how often, you know, math teachers say, well, when you take the test, you're not going to be able to have this calculator. You're not going to be able to have this calculator. And then <laughs> when I go take my GRE, they're like, well, you should bring a graphing calculator. And like, right. I don't even own one because they told me I would never be able to have it. that. Right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> and so... <laughs> You know, I think that more and more, you know, I was reading another article that uh, was on CNBC where Microsoft is like already moving toward letting private companies design the open AI the way they see fit, right? And so they're looking at, you know, big companies, but they're also looking at the way schools might custom design a chat or an AI bot to, you know, assist their educators with processes or functions. And so that got me thinking like, well, well, how would I program mine, right? Like what would I include or exclude to assist students in the classroom, right? Yeah. And because the, the idea would be a, a, a chat bot that, you know, really allows them to do the critical thinking and, and step up to the challenge, right? but also supports them in situations where the chatbot's not available. So I'm thinking those, those GRE tests, those MAT tests, those styles of tests where the bot's not gonna be there for you to, to feed the question into. So yeah. what are you going to do now, right? Or you know, the software went down and you're, you now are forced to write on your own, right? So what are you going to do when the AI isn't there? How can you support yourself by working with the AI and then when you're not working with the A, what what are different ways you're going to support yourself? Is kind of like what was on my mind. Totally, I, that's awesome. That so CNBC uh, uh, article, um, um, and they're talking about schools like basically custom classroom bots. Yeah, uh, custom classroom bots, custom company bots too, right? That's like awesome. you know, we already do this. With, uh, yeah. If you've ever had problems with your cell phone like I have had, you know, like you're going to, I don't even call. I go straight to the AI bot and type in representative until I get an actual person, right? But (laughs) the bot for a while can sound, can, can treat you like it's an actual person behind, behind the screen. You're like, wait, is this a person or does the bot just name itself and it's pretending to answer my questions? That's why I always ask like questions that I know they'll have to respond to, right? Like, but that that's what I do. I don't call anymore because I don't have time to sit on the phone for an hour, but I can load the chat up and watch my favorite show and respond back and forth until they resolve the issue. Awesome. And so I think Microsoft is thinking in that way, like how can they custom tailor things for public schools to, to use this 
you know, AI, chat GPT, you know, like a homework helper, right? Like they have the homework hotline. Now you have the homework chat GPT where your department or the teachers have already preloaded it with answers to assist you when you're at home working on your own. And that's a part of the assignment, right? Go to chat GPT and make it function this way for you. And you already know you've pre-programmed to do it pre-programmed it to do it correctly. So none of the answers that come out should be incorrect, quote unquote, right? They should always answer in a way that's um, beneficial to the students. Right, yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, it, it's, it, so it, that is just making me think of other things we've said here. And, 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 and I'll say it this way, like AI needs human beings. Like that, that's, that's a thing that I feel like I keep coming back to. Like, when we say, so Jake, you said this earlier, like ChatGPT is good at the creative. Like it's good at producing these texts that are like funny and or sad and or like it's hating me at an emotional level. But the reason that we're saying that is because we as readers are assessing it. Like we're we're saying like, I yes, this this is acting like a thing that I value, right? And 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 so it's hitting me there. Um and then but same when we prompt it, like. No, no, no! You didn't quite get it right. I'm looking for this, and so we're we're sculpting it through through that little search bar thing, the little prompt bar, which is different than sculpting a paragraph on a blank page or or that kind of thing. But it's still, it, and then so the the classroom bot that you're talking about, Jabi, it's like if that's in my classroom, I am going to be constantly like, no, no, no! I don't like how you said this to that student. I need a sort of different parameters, different different. You know, read this more of this, whatever. Like I'm going to be sculpting it, and then my students are going to be deciding: does this have value, or does it? I need to you know, instead of representative, it'll be like professor, 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 right? Until they get me. <laughs> um, but that last last thing I'll say in this little rant here, it makes me think, Daniel, of what you're doing with essays in your class. I love the idea of an essay in 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 whatever format it is, where part of the decisions made in that essay are expression that I, the writer, are making, but then other documented textual artifacts in this space are decisions that other readers have made in my essay, right? Like I make choices in my essay and readers make choices in my essay and it's all there. Um, that for me is really exciting because whether or not any of us are using whatever tools we're using, we're dialoguing, right? That's Daniel's point. Like th this is now a dialogic space. Um, um, and and I, I, I'm the writer, the author of that space. So I get to sculpt it. I can move what you said up here. I can kind of bend what you said into, fold it into what I said up there. Um, that's, that, that has me thinking about some pretty cool, pretty cool, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll say like thinking about these large shifts and like the potential here is, because ChatGPT, going back to the idea of earlier of the better, like students will latch onto that as this is doing what's expected of me. So on the other hand, this idea of like, how do you open up space for other people within your essay, which is another th um, uh, uh, conversation we had Curry yesterday about the Stanley parable. So one thing I really highlighted to, to them was this idea of authorial control yes. and how we give up control or don't. Yeah. and what that means mm -hmm. um but that with this visual or digital essay i'm doing where to me that's the biggest 
possibility is giving up that control and allowing people like a Padlet can be an essay, but it's also then a space where we can respond to that essay. That was the the cognitively the most difficult thing for my students to approach. And a lot of them didn't because I mentioned it multiple times. We had discussions about like, you can let people post in your essay. And then a lot of them were like, I just didn't like, what is that? Like, it was a hard thing for them to think about because that's not what the better essay approach is. Um, so uh, that's just a warning that that was the heart. Like, I think that's what like this is ChatGPT and things like that will give us that direction of maybe that's how we should start teaching this. Um, but um, students were they just weren't there yet. They just couldn't grapple with what that actually meant. And I think that's part of well, an essay is supposed to be something I control and it's my argument. And then like if other people if this if it's like if it looks like social media i don't want that but the, like it's a kind of different space still at the same time totally yeah and that 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 makes me think of what donna was saying earlier i i when i i always find my students if i try to open space up or like try to challenge some assumption about structures they're the first ones to want to revert back to these more traditional forms right like no the thesis needs to go right there i'm like okay all right how come right and so they're bringing these these forms, these structures, because of how they've been taught to write, which just, you know, they haven't been using uh, chat GPT, but they've definitely been using algorithmic things, algorithmic tools like graphic organizers, right? And or these templates for paragraphs or these other uh, these other structures that that are are pastiche in nature that say kind of here's some blanks, fill them in, right? Um, um, at, at, you know, however they go about that. We're getting close on time. Any, any, can we go around just a couple final thoughts um, from, from this conversation? Hopes, dreams, fears, anger? <laughs> yeah, just a, a couple on my end. Um, I think having open discussions with students and getting their input is going to be kind of critical in just gathering data and information about what we can do. Let's follow their lead to some extent. What do they want from ChatGPT? Uh, How do they want to use it? I think having those conversations, gathering some data, you know, doing a little bit of uh, studying in, in that manner, what, what do students have to say about this? How do they want to use it in the classroom? Uh, I think it's going to be important in, in where we go. And, you know, I made an initial comment in the meeting about, you know, well, now we can finally move on from teaching the tired essay. And I, I don't mean to imply that, you know, that, that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater with that. Sure. Of course, sure. all of that is important, but maybe we can look at some of these essays and, uh, you know, examine how they're put together and, and, you know, have to make some some good use of that conversation and discussion as well. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Donna. Other final thoughts? I won't make everybody go. But. I'm always in the, the the camp of like how we use machines to make our lives better, right? And if ChatGPT becomes that space where it is instrumental to the way students engage in English courses and not detrimental, I'm always going to be for it. You know, and I, I love hearing that, like, you know, Jake and Danny, you guys are, are constantly working with this machine, trying to see what it does. Right. And I'm not in that space yet, but I'm excited to like continue that conversation and, and get to that space where, you know, those practical 
applications in the classroom, I think are are more important than being fearful of what the technology might mean to, you know, my particular position or job, you know. Awesome. Just to follow up on that, I think on one of the podcasts that I listened to, I guess that the inevitable evolution of this is like emerging between what we traditionally know as the search browser and chat GPT. So, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty ubiquitous here, not very shortly. The other thing that I'm curious about and want to talk more about as the, as these um, sessions progress is what is the consensus with our students about giving up their autonomy and agency to these machines to generate their thinking? Like how willing are people going to be to say here, I'll just, you know, type in the parameters and then whatever is generated, I'm going to kind of accept that as speaking for me in some way. And in order to achieve a goal, right. And, you know, that conversations of when chat GPT is a necessary or essential tool tool and when it's more important to, you know, even if I'm wrong or even if I'm not, don't have the perfect response or the, the perfectly crafted sentence, I'd much rather produce it myself than to give it to this machine. Cool. Thanks, Jake. Well, I think um, the, the last statement that Jake made is like, just like a big issue within our society as a whole, this like fear of being wrong, the fear of like not knowing and that that's a negative thing. And that like reflects on you as a person in a very like deep way. And like those attitudes create a lot of issues and just like perpetuate things. And so it is okay, again, like for the grade or for being right or for getting like praise and that like fear of failure, right? And those are like some very like fundamental issues um, just like in our society that, I don't know, I don't have like any sort of answer to, but they're like a big part of the problem and like what motivates students to like want to do something on their own if like that outcome is gonna feel like, anxiety and shame and failure and that that's like a negative thing and there isn't like a positive in that. Awesome. Thank you, Shelly. I've really enjoyed hearing everybody's ideas around this. This is the first conversation I've been able to have with people about this technology. So it's really cool to hear what everybody has to say about it. Um, I'm from the generation that was in high school with my math teacher telling me I won't grow up to have a calculator in my pocket while I had a cell phone in my pocket. So um, I've been able to see like real time as, as most of us have, how these technologies have allowed us to focus our energies on the things that we are passionate about. I'm not someone who's passionate about mathematics. So for me to have that technology in my pocket has allowed me to put my focus elsewhere when I'm trying to figure out a math problem. Um, I'm really excited to see how this sort of technology can help us as educators shift our focus uh, in, in new and exciting ways. So I really do look forward to hearing more about what, what excites us now. Awesome. I'm from the generation of typewriters. <laughs> I didn't even have word processors. Daniel just shared a uh, what? What did you say? 
What I I was when I was having a lot of fun with the AI image generator, I put Miracosta in many different scenarios, um, and one was a dystopian future. So that's what that image is. It took like our that image I think from the website that has all of the college sites and turned them all into dystopian. And that's I think that's interesting because that's one thing in experience, especially that the image AI thing, um, and somewhat with ChatGPT. GPT is just like that brainstorming potential. Like it got me thinking like, what are all these crazy scenarios I want to think about? And like, what would that mean? And, and all of this stuff. And a lot of it was just nonsense, like Miracosta in a jungle and didn't do anything for me, but it was interesting looking. Um, uh, and I had, and I also made Shakespeare a race car driver. Um, if anyone wants to see that, but, um, uh, it just like, it got my mind moving and thinking in different ways. And I really appreciated that about it. Yeah. There, there we are in our Hunger Games to, uh, Miracosta. I think the one on the top left is the library, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'll put that, I'll put that image in our Padlet. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, uh, uh, my final thought then is, um, I think every every question we've just asked and like all the like what we're exploring here is the reason why English teachers will have a job in the future, right? It maybe our job will not be because the students need to know how to write five paragraphs in a logical progression and cohesion. It'll be because because students need to be mindful of their agency and how how we are formed by the different content we choose to interact with, either as creators or consumers of that content. And so our job will be that kind of, um, um, we'll play that role. So, okay, awesome. So real quick, just little little housekeeping notes. So the next meeting, and don't worry about remembering this, I'll send this out. I'm gonna send the Padlet out um, by the end of this week with uh, the recording of this. Next meeting is February 22nd. Um, the focus for that one is surfaces, tools, and affordances. So really like the materiality of writing. Um, and then the question we're exploring is what other technologies in history have shifted the way writers process and produce texts? And there's a really cool documentary um, um, created by Nova, a PBS uh, um, um, uh, uh, group. Um, it's called A to Z, How Writing Changed the World. Um, we have access to it through our library. So I'll send a link out to that. We'll riff a little bit on it. There's no, we don't need to watch that as a group, but um, in a similar way, if between now and then you're thinking of other sources that really look at um, um, these shifts, if you want to talk to librarians and math teachers to get some sort of what have you done with this, that'll be the focus of our next conversation. So thanks everybody for coming. This is awesome.